Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. It's been a while since we've had a Michigan Man Extra for you, so here it is, the first one of the new year. When Matt Shepard took the full-time TV job with the Detroit Tigers, it was time to find a new radio voice for Michigan basketball. Although he filled in last year for Matt off and on and handled the pre- and post-game shows, it wasn't a full-time job. That changed in the spring when he was named the official voice of the Wolverines. Joining us next is Brian Bush, the radio play-by-play voice of Michigan basketball on our January Extra here on The Michigan Man in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maze and Brew. So stay with us. Here with us on our game day segment this week is uh, Michigan radio play-by-play voice uh, Brian Bush, also co-host of one of uh, my favorite podcasts in the trenches with John Jansen. So for the first time, welcome to the show, Brian. No, thank you, Mike. Glad to be here. Well, I think all Michigan uh, listeners to this program and to Michigan basketball are well aware. It's uh, your first full season uh, with the team. You were around last year, but how have you been enjoying uh, your first full year behind the mic? It's been awesome. I mean, this is... A type of job that when I started in this industry, I was hoping just to have a chance at. I did a lot of time in minor league baseball and obviously enjoyed that, but it's a little bit different to be in front of a couple thousand people on a Tuesday night in minor league baseball versus being in front of 12,000 plus at Chrysler or, you know, 15,000 the other night against Nebraska. And and to do it with such a, a great school, a great program, a great coaching staff, a great group of players. I mean, it really has been awesome, uh, and I'm, I'm blessed to be here. Plus, with the stuff I've done with football, a little bit of baseball, um, it, it's it's really been a dream come true. I know all Michigan fans, everyone that I talk to has enjoyed uh, listening to you this year, and it, it's been a crazy season in the sense, Brian, that the way it started out, I know I was talking about this last week, you know, when it started out, the team was on fire, and you wondered, wow, is this sustainable? The way we're playing on the offensive end, can we keep this up? And, of course, uh, that's dropped off. But has the season surprised you so far, the way it has rolled out? I mean, I think where we're at right now, if you didn't know the backstory or the journey of how we got here, I think if you were to say to me at the start of the year, hey, Isaiah Livers is going to miss, at this point, seven games, and basically eight, because he got hurt so early in that Presbyterian game, uh, but, you know, if you if you tell me that and you tell me their record, I'd say, OK, that that seems about right. So it's just how we've gotten there that's been so bizarre. You think back to the battle for Atlantis and the jump to number four and, you know, what they did in that heartbreaking loss against Oregon. And, and then you lose livers and and then you get into a little bit of a slump. I mean, it, it has been difficult as of late. I think we saw the team get a, get to a high earlier than I think people expected, and they dropped to a low uh, that probably people didn't expect. Um, and, and really, it's going to be coming down to this final you know dozen games of can Michigan win its way into the tournament? Because let's face it, I mean, unless you lose that game to Nebraska, the road game to Northwestern, the the home game coming up against Nebraska late in the season, unless you lose one of those three games. You really can't look at a loss in the Big Ten and say, well, that's a bad loss. If you get blown out, that's one thing. 
But I, I don't expect that to happen too much from, from any game in the Big Ten. But eventually you've got to start stacking wins. We'll see if that victory over Nebraska kind of helps it. Um, but I, I think this team has the winning DNA. They have the talent to get into the tournament and potentially make noise. Uh, they just have to find a way to get some victories, and that's why the Illinois loss was so heartbreaking. That's why even going back to the non-conference, if you had that victory against Oregon, that would help a lot considering what the Ducks have, have become, and that's, you know I think, a pretty consistent top 15, top 20 team. Uh, but there's still plenty of opportunities, but you, you can't take them for granted. You, you need several in order to get to the dance. Well, not having Isaiah Livers, of course, has uh, had a huge impact on the team, Brian. There's no doubt about that. Great to see him back on Saturday, and just like that, out again. Do we have any idea? Is it the the same injury, or is it something new? It's not the same injury, which is good news, uh, because a it's just so difficult to have a timeline with something like that. You know, I, I think it was interesting when Franz Wagner got hurt. Uh, almost immediately, he came out okay, four to six weeks, because he kind of knew, you know, the wrist injury. If you know the severity of it, you kind of have a rough outline, and, and Franz came back in about five weeks. This one, it was it was interesting because Coach Howard went from indefinitely to day-to-day pretty quickly because it's just it's tough. If, if you're Franz in that situation, you can still stay conditioned as well as possible. I mean, not basketball shape necessarily, but you can still run around. You can still stay in shape. You can still operate some drills, um, but just not use that, that wrist. Uh, with with Isaiah, it, it's difficult because you can't really do a whole lot in basketball if your groin strained. Uh, it's just it's just a different style of injury. Uh, this is more of the hip area, from what I understand. Um, I don't know if he'll play Saturday and, and what his prognosis is. Um, I mean, he he didn't do a ton in the you know in the shoot around on on Tuesday. I guess it would be at Nebraska. So uh, it is. It is truly a day to day. I don't. I don't think it's Coach Howard trying to just you know mess with people's minds. I mean, he obviously wants to keep it tight to the to the vest because of the you know the perceived competitive advantage of it. Though you know coaches are going to prep for Isaiah regardless. Uh, I, I don't know about Saturday, but I, the people who you know were uh, uh, immediately thinking, oh man, he might be out for the year. And, and I'll admit, like I was, I didn't say it, but you're worried about that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you wait six weeks to come or five weeks to come back you get hurt again and it looks almost identical to the first injury. You're thinking, Oh boy, he might be done for the year. I'd be really surprised if it were that. I I think he'll come back a little bit sooner, uh, if not significantly sooner than the injury uh, earlier this season. But again, it, it really is a day-to-day type of a thing because you just, there's only so much you can do to, to work on it and to get ready. Uh, I thought he played really well in that game against uh, Illinois, all things considered, um, you know, not playing in, in five weeks and going up against a good team. Uh, so when he comes back, he can provide that lift. I just always wonder in those situations, Mike, the mental side, mm-hmm. because now it's happened twice. And it wasn't the same injury, but it was the same play. And I always wonder that mental side. Is there a brief moment where you just, if you're in that competitive environment, if you flinch, if you think about it, I don't think that'll happen, but it's always a concern for me, especially the second time you get injured in that type of a manner. Well, it'll be great to see him come back again. Hopefully it will be soon. But uh, the other night in uh, Lincoln against Nebraska, we also went without Xavier Simpson. Of course, uh, we have been hearing about that, talking about that since we found out Monday. Do we have any update 
on his status and when he might be back, Brian? I don't. Coach Howard will answer that on Friday, most mm-hmm. likely. That's when he has his, his media, media availability. Um, I think it's it's been more of a, a fact gathering situation with with the situation, and um, yeah, obviously you hope he's out there. But it's one of those things if you if you're the head coach of a team and your leader does something that violates a team rule, you can't really you know well he's our best player. We have to you know we have to try to get him back on the floor. You, you have to take the facts. Um, and what you can gather and, and make the best decision. You have to suspend, you know, Xavier Simpson the same way you would suspend, you know, a walk-on on this team. Um, and that's, you know, it's it's a true uh, defining moment of this program early on in Coach Howard's time. Uh, obviously, there's no denying that he's, you know, he makes this team better, a lot better. Um, don't have an update, um, but I, I'll tell you this. I mean, the, the way that they fought against Nebraska was, I mean, it was not a pretty game. I mean, don't, and Nebraska is not very good. Uh, you don't want to read too much between the lines from that game. Michigan found a way to get a road victory, which with the way the season has been going throughout the league, with the recent stretch for Michigan, you just got to find a way to win. And I thought, to me, that's not, if they play that way the rest of the season, in, in totality, I don't think they're going to make the tournament. But you had to find a way in that situation with so much newness, so many guys in in different roles. You had to get that win, and they did. And, and, and now you face a significantly better team in Rutgers on Saturday. And really, you're, you're not going to get many more, you know, I won't call them gimmies, but those are the two those are the two tap in putts of the Big Ten. You have you have to make them. And I've missed plenty of tap in putts. Gotta find a way to make those and Michigan made the first one. Absolutely. And it was great to see balance scoring uh, the other night. And I know it's easier said than done, but as far as a roadmap for the team, that's really what we need to see more players involved as uh, we wind down the season, isn't it? Yeah, and and I think you have a situation where you, I think Coach Howard in, in, if he's in full strength, he's got an eight-man rotation with the potential to expand as far as ten if you need to. Without Isaiah and, and Xavier, it really complicates things. But I think where the Nebraska game could help is in, in really in two ways. Listen, we know Eli Brooks can go out and have 20 points and nine rebounds like mm-hmm. he had and, and run the offense. He just hasn't needed to because of Xavier Simpson. But to me, for Franz Wagner to see, hey, I can have success when I drive to the basket. And to see Brandon Johns know, hey, I can I can hit a shot. To me, the biggest play of the entire game in Lincoln for the future of this program was in the second half. It was I think during that big nineteen to three run for Michigan uh, t- toward the beginning of it, and Brandon Johns, no hesitation, hit a three. And for a guy who I kid you not, he is as impressive of a player as I've seen in my short time in shoot arounds in practice. It seems like everything goes in. He's got a really clean looking shot. It's very fundamental. He seems like he makes 95% in practice or in shoot arounds. You get out in the game and if you have that little flinch, like we talked about with Isaiah, if you have that little flinch, that little hesitation, it, it totally throws you off. And that was one of the first times this year. He had single digits and threes made, but he caught it. He knew he wanted to shoot it. He knew he was going to make it and he made it. And to me, I think he's a real wild card for this team because when Xavier Simpson's back on the floor, you have your three guards I think you want to go to battle with. 
on the inside where foul trouble can become more of an issue, you've got Teske, you've got Franz as a small four. You'll have Isaiah in that three or four spot, depending on where you want to put him. But you need something else. We saw a little bit from that uh, from Colin Castleton in that area in his handful of minutes. But Brandon Johns is the guy. And if you can give him significant minutes and if he can hold his own defensively, if he doesn't make you know many mistakes, and he's made some here and there even against Nebraska, but if he can be that scoring threat, that's where uh, when you talk about the floor versus ceiling concept, mm-hmm. I think you know, Brandon's got a lower floor than some players, but I think he brings his and the team's ceiling up more than maybe any other of those you know, those, those question marks on the team. You know what you're getting from Xavier. You know what you're getting from Isaiah when he's on the floor. You know what you're getting from, from Teske and from Eli. I think those are the four known qualities, known quantities. If you can find a guy like Brandon Johns who can raise collectively, that's where this team can be a real threat. And if that doesn't happen with him, with, with David Julius, uh, with you know Austin Davis, whoever it might be, then that's where the floor kind of lowers a bit for this program. Well, Brian, this Saturday, of course, uh, Rutgers at Madison Square Garden, and they are playing some pretty good ball right now, aren't they? They are. Uh, give them credit. I mean, that's that's a really tough place to win. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're if you're on the Big Ten, it's it's a situation where you kind of wonder, man, what what's Rutgers doing in the league? But they've they've held their own in a lot of sports. The marquee ones has not been the case, uh, but as of late, I mean, they. You know, listen, they can they can shoot from the outside decently well, but their interior is where it's at. That's where they want to get it done. And, I, I mean, the, the contrast between what Nebraska can bring to the table versus Rutgers is significant. And, you know, it's great that we saw, you know, John Teske do a lot of good work on the inside, Franz Wagner get involved. We saw Brandon Johns with some post-up moves. That's going to be a little bit tougher to come by. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Michigan handles it because you know Rutgers Rutgers can be a threat from the outside, but that's not their game. They don't have a, a sharp shooter, if you will. But their interior is really impressive. They know what they want to do, uh, and and listen, we know what's what's been the issue uh, for Michigan a lot this year in Big Ten play. Can you slow down the guy in the interior? Mm-hmm. You know, Miles Johnson is not. You know, he's not a, a huge scoring threat, but he can rebound the basketball, as can Ron Harper. Um, I mean, they've, they've got some dudes inside. Uh, can you limit that and then, you know, do what Michigan's tried to do all year and take away the three-point shot as much as possible? Uh, if they do that, they got a real shot. And as we know, MSG's been real kind lately to this program, and we need, we need another we need another big one in there to try to get this thing rolling before a, a huge couple of games next week at home. Oh, absolutely. It is a big one, and you're right. After Saturday, two at Chrysler, Ohio State on Tuesday, then Michigan State a week from Saturday, and wow, those are just both huge games, aren't they? They are, because, again, you have to get wins, and it's, it's just so much easier in this league, especially this season, to do it at home. Uh, if they can find a way, I, I really think these next three, if you can go two and one, and that's a tough, tough ask because Rutgers and Michigan State are legit teams. Ohio State has a ton of talent, even though they have struggled, kind of like Michigan since the end of the non-conference slate. Uh, if you can find a way to get two of three, obviously three of three would be amazing. But if you can win two of those three, I think you're you're right back into, you know, at least externally feeling like all right you know michigan's in right now and more importantly the team's not worried about bracketology 
and what its potential seed line is going into February. They're trying to stack some wins. And if you can win two out of three with still some realistic gets down the stretch in the schedule and multiple opportunities at home to pick up some solid victories, that would really help to set the tone. If they go 0-2 again in another homestand, then they're going to be in real trouble. Uh, and that's, let's face it, that's a possibility because Big Ten teams are good pretty much wherever you go. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this, to me, you can get away with, you know, losing tough ones on the road to Iowa, to Michigan State, even to Minnesota, even though that was one they, they probably should have gotten, especially with the way they played early. But you can't keep losing at home. And if if they if they have a similar run to what we saw last week by falling to Penn State and Illinois, they're, they're going to be in a really tough spot. As we head into this week, we're twelve and eight coming into the Rutgers game, so there's eleven games left in the regular season. When mm-hmm. you look at the calendar, and as we just talked about, it's going to be tough to stack wins in those eleven games. But right now, when you look at it, Brian, how many wins do you think it's going to take for this Michigan team to get into the Big Dance? I keep coming back to nineteen. Uh, I feel like if they can find seven more, and obviously they've, you know, you, you got to find a way to, to get some some more quality wins. But if you can find a way to get to 19, and I think that even would include the Big Ten tournament, um, if you can find a way to do that, uh, and I look at it, I think you need at least two more road wins. And I say that because you've got Northwestern, that that's got to be a win, and then. You play at Rutgers, Purdue, Ohio State, and Maryland. Really tough places to play. You can't go over because then at that point, to me, if I'm looking at it as a committee member and I see a team that's got one or two road wins and they're against Nebraska and Northwestern, to me that's a bit of a a concern. But if you can find a way to go to Piscataway, to West Lafayette, to Columbus, to College Park, and get a win against one of those four teams – Obviously, we'll take as many as we can get, but to me, they've got to get at least two the rest of the season. Go in with three road victories. Not great, but still, it's not something that's going to stick out like a sore thumb. And when you have, I mean, we've seen teams get in with that weird-looking, I think there was an 18-14 and 14 team last year in the dance, and that's because it, you know the team came out of a tough conference. Uh, you're going to see one or two of those in the, the NCAA tournament this year out of the Big Ten because it's, from top to bottom, it's, it's just significantly better than any other conference in college basketball. Maybe it doesn't have the top-heavy you know, one or two, but I think that's a byproduct of how deep the league is. Because perception-wise, if you see a 10-loss team in, in, you know, on Selection Sunday, you think, oh, well, they, they can't be one of the top five teams in the nation. It's got to be Duke out of the ACC or you know, Baylor, who's, who's been great. Um, but I think they got to get to 19. If you get to 20, no doubt you're in. Um, but as we know, we haven't had to talk about this much over the last few years. You have to worry about bid stealers. You got to root for the favorites in the bigger conferences like Dayton and San Diego State, and obviously Gonzaga. Um, Gonzaga continuing to win is helpful for Michigan. Uh, it's it's a unique situation to be in, but uh, hopefully Michigan can take care of business. You don't have to worry about it. And you're just thinking, well, are we gonna are we gonna be out west? Are we gonna be in the Midwest? Where are we gonna be? Can we avoid that eight nine line and not play one seed in the second round? Et cetera, et cetera. Regardless, got to keep winning. And to me, you've got to find a way to get at least a couple more on the road. Well, final question for you, Brian, then we'll let you get away. And actually, it's two questions in one. But how many Big Ten teams do you think at this point we might see in the NCAA tournament? And uh, from the teams you've seen so far in the schedule, who looks like the best uh, team in the Big Ten to you? Boy, that changes uh, pretty much every week, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah, it, it, it really is crazy. Um, I, 
I'll tell you what. I mean, when you look at this thing, uh, you know, from top to bottom, I, I mean, it's tough to it's tough not to say Michigan State because of of what they've what they've done. Their two losses are, you know, one was close on the road and one was a blowout. It kind of sticks out. Now they've got a tougher schedule down the stretch. Um, I think you probably have to go with Michigan State as the team that you know has been the best one. Uh, I, I'd put Illinois up there though. I mean, that's yeah. the one other team I'm, I'm thinking. Boy, they might they might actually be the real deal. I mean, what Iodosumu did against Michigan in some other situations. I mean, they're they're legit. I, I still with with Maryland. I still really wonder. You know, can they be? You know, a team that, that finds a, a handful of tough wins. It's just a program thing. I, I got to see it to believe it with them. Iowa, you know, I, I think what they've done is, has been impressive because early on in the season their defense was atrocious, but they've been able to outscore teams. I mean, they've been basically top 10 um, in Ken Palm offense the whole season. Um, and we can't forget about Rutgers. I mean, that's a team. Rutgers isn't going to beat itself. Uh, they're going to do things the right way. They're going to play fundamental basketball. They're going to they're going to they're not going to be intimidated. Um, I, I think that's you know, and that's kind of following the standings right now. Um, but I, I'd probably go Michigan State, Illinois, and and then probably Maryland just based on talent. Um, but Rutgers, Iowa, I was I was impressed with what I saw from Penn State, and you know, I, I think this is a league this year where. You know, normally if you go on a, a, a three-game win streak or a three-game losing streak, you know it doesn't it doesn't do a whole lot for you in the grand scheme of the conference. But this year in the Big Ten, especially when you you know when you get away from the top two and the bottom two, that three through what twelve, mm-hmm. you if you win or lose three, we saw what happened in the losing streak for Michigan. They 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 bottomed out, um, and they're what tied for twelfth, I guess, coming right. into play today. Mm-hmm. You know, ahead of just Nebraska Northwestern, but. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Right now, Ohio State and Michigan might have to suit up on the first day of the Big Ten tournament. And that's it's not a knock on those teams. It's just how deep it is. Uh, you eventually have to find wins, no doubt. Um, but, I mean, it's it's just a dogfight. In terms of how many get in, I mean, everyone who thinks 12 is going to happen, it, I just don't think there's going to be enough spreading out of the of the wealth in the league to get to that point. Um, but I, I, I've been saying 10 pretty much the whole year. I, I think you're gonna you're gonna find a way because every year it feels like boy the bubble isn't great, and if you show me a, an eight and twelve Big Ten team uh, that had a you know a decent non conference and I just I just don't think you're gonna find sixty seven other teams to have a better claim than that. I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two Big Ten teams in Dayton coming up for the first four. Like I, I mean. That I'd be surprised if there weren't at least one Big Ten team there, considering how this is all going to break down. But um, you know, to me, twelve's tough. But I think ten's a, I would say, a safe bet, just based on how how deep this league has been and and how well most of the teams play during the non-conference. Well, I guess today on our game day segment has been Michigan radio play-by-play voice Brian Bush on with us for the first time. And Brian, uh, it's been a pleasure having you with us. It's going to be a crazy last eleven games uh, heading into the Big Ten tournament. So uh, we appreciate the time and hope we can get you back in the uh, coming weeks. You got it, Mike. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again to Brian Bush for joining us today. He's doing a great job calling the play-by-play and will be back with us later in the season. That will do it for our first Michigan Man Extra of the new year. We'll be back next week on our regular day talking more Michigan hoops. Our guest will be one of the best basketball writers in the country, 
Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit. So make sure you join us. Until then, I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. Take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!